Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. The first uh, speaker panelist that I have tonight, uh, uh, Emily Mednich, let me read a little bit about her and then she can come up. Emily Mednich has been a biblical counselor for 23 years. Emily holds a master's in biblical counseling from Victoria's Christian Life Institute and earned her Ph.D. in Christian counseling from Visionary International University. She's a licensed clinical pastoral counselor and author. She is personally able to relate with struggles with broken families, health issues, and divorce. Her heart is helping people through counseling, teaching biblical principles so that they can experience forgiveness, emotional healing, and restoration by focusing on their identity in Christ. Church, can we welcome Emily as she comes up tonight? Absolutely. Next is a, a, a man who is a part of our church, and we, we just love, love him to know in, Aaron Thomas. He was born and raised here in Odessa, served in the U.S. Army for three years before receiving his bachelor's degree in business management at UTPB. Aaron has worked for four years at the Crisis Center of West Texas as the Batters Intervention Coordinator, a weekly group where, where, held accountable, where people were held accountable for their abusive behavior. Aaron also started going to the Youth Detention Center weekly and talking to kids make it about making better life decisions as well as being accountable for their actions. In 2019, Aaron founded Excellence Above Talent in response to a fellow veteran losing their battle at home to suicide. Excellence Above Talent provides transformational coaching, youth mentoring, and men's support and accountability services. Uh, his daily motivation is to give back and make an impact to the lives of others. He aims to bring to people to the table to have tough conversations, to change the status quo of what society thinks a man should be. Aaron's community involvement includes serving with the Young Professionals of Odessa and the Family Health Clinic, as well as a committee member for ECISD SHAC Committee. Help me welcome Aaron Thomas tonight as he comes. Come on, Aaron. Next, Alizé Leal, you know her very well, and Alizé is a faith-driven professional with a bachelor's degree in psychology and counseling and a minor in social studies. With a fervent passion for making positive impacts on lives, Alizé has cultivated profound insights into human behavior and emotional well-being. Currently embarking on a fresh professional journey, Alizé is determined to establish the groundwork for a future dream. Listen to this. Crafting a safe haven for children in desperate need of love and guidance. Prior experience at Child Protective Services enriched Alizé's understanding of family realities and the hardships many face. Help me welcome Alizé Leal tonight. Come on. And last but not least, I'm going to try to get through this without shedding a tear because this is, uh, can I just be real, this, this lady has been influential in in Martha and I and our family's life. Bryn Dodd is a licensed professional. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, she is a licensed professional counselor and outreach director at Agape Counseling Services. 
Her education includes a Bachelor of Science in Multidisciplinary Studies from McMurray University in May of 2005 and a Master of Arts in Counseling from UTPB May of 2016. Along with her LPC licensure, she holds a certification in school counseling, works with ages 13 and older, and offers marriage, couples therapy, family therapy, and individual therapy. She has extensive training in trauma and has a passion for working with victims of abuse, neglect, trauma, and trauma. She lives here in Odessa and loves her community. She has a heart for serving others. She does this not only through her professional career, but also through her leadership and volunteerism in the community. In May 2017, Bryn was elected to the Ector County Hospital District Board of Directors and serves as the chair of, the se of several committees. In 2020, Bryn and her family experienced a tragic loss that rearranged their life. Since this tragedy, Bryn has worked hard to educate and advocate against drunk driving and distracted driving. We're blessed to have Bryn Dodd to be here with us tonight. Amen? Yes. So all of these incredible speakers uh, are here tonight, and I, I think it was just God-ordained that it happened the way that it did for them to be with us, and so we're really excited. So I want to tell you again, if you have questions, and, and I mean questions about anything, you're going to, number one, remain anonymous. Uh, but secondly, after this, I, you have my word that I'm going to just delete these questions, delete these phone numbers, because we're going to have a real talk. I'm going to be honest with you. It's about time some of your families have a real talk. And tonight, what better way than in the presence of the Holy Spirit, with your pastor, with trained professionals and trained people who do this because of their passion and their calling. If you remember, we had a series on gifts and what you see up here is people uh, who have gifts, gifts to serve, gifts to love, and we're honored to, to have them with us tonight. So I want to jump in tonight, and, uh, and uh, everybody feeling good? Everybody all right? Uh, and I want to just start off with a general question to them, and uh, feel free to chime in. So they're going to kind of alternate that number so you can text some information in, but Aaron, I want to start with you tonight. Uh, what do you think the biggest challenge families are facing here today? What you smiling for, Aaron? You think I, was, I, I was like, hopefully, going to start with me, and then you came straight to me. <laughs> Can you tell me the question again? I already forgot it. <laughs> Eagles fans, let me yeah, tell you yeah. what happens with. Uh, anyway, uh, what do you think the biggest challenges families are facing today, from your experience? Uh, from my experience, it is quality time. I feel like a lot of uh, families, they get together, but they don't really know each other. And the relationships that they have within the family, um, they're not strong. And uh, the, the, the dynamic outside the family, those uh, relationships are stronger uh, outside than inside. And so I would say... Um, Learning how to pay attention to the time that you give uh, each other mm -hmm. because your relationship that you have with your friends should not be stronger than the relationship you have inside the house. And I feel a lot of, a lot of times um, there's, this, you know, there's, there's this thing where if we're together, then it's, we're spending time with each other. 
but I tell like people, if we're in the same room. Yeah, in the same room. Yeah. If we're watching Netflix. But I tell people a lot of times when I was talking to the men in the group, uh, your kids don't want two or three hours of you being there and not really being there. If you show up and you're there for them for 30 minutes a day, that changes their entire life because you are spending quality time with them and they, they have like that understanding of like you, you love them and uh, you're showing them uh, that they're enough uh, in your world, so, or in their world. So that would be the biggest issue awesome. that I see. I agree. Emily, I'm going to go to you with this question. Um, this question says, not married, been in a relationship for six years, have two kids, but the partner doesn't attend church or read the word on their own. I'm worried it's affecting the kids because we have two different ways of handling things. In your experience and what you see, uh, what would you advise somebody who maybe they have a sold-out relationship with God, but their partner in their home doesn't, and they're trying to co-parent and co-raise kids? Does it work? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have worked with people like that over the years, and... Even with parents in the home, uh, most parents have two different ideas of parenting and what that looks like. And um, the best thing is raising the child the way you know best, what God wants you to do, being obedient to that. And you can't control how the other parent is parenting, but you can pray for them, you can teach them. And my parents are divorced, and um, the best thing was not hearing anything negative about either parent. And I didn't have my parents involved in my life, really. But going back to the question, I really believe that you can just do what God's called you to do because we can't control how the other is parenting the kids and you know, pray for them, you know, take them to church, be involved Mm -hmm. and know what's going on in their lives. That's what they're going to remember the most. Amen. Brent, I want to ask you, uh, with your experience with families and parenting, especially parenting power and just some of the stuff that you've been through, what would you tell a parent who's struggling to control not only how the other parent parents, but even control their kids, how much control is too much control? I tell my clients all the time that we have to focus on what we have control over. There's so much in the world that we don't have control over. And it's easy for us to get bogged down in that and to wrap ourselves up in that and and concern ourselves with things that are just beyond our capability. And that's what's going to lead to a lot of the mental health issues, right? We're going to start feeling anxious and depressed and, and stressed. So Focusing on what you yourself have control over is the absolute most important piece of this. Um, When it comes to co-parenting, which you kind of was talking a little bit about co-parenting, that's one of the hardest things in families. If you co-parent with anyone, not even a spouse, you know how challenging that is because we all have different perspectives and different ways of life. And so co-parenting, that's the respect. The biggest piece of that is respecting the other person and hearing them. It's communication. Um, But going back to his question, the control over children, 
Um, we are parents, and we are, God placed these children in our lives for us to carry them and guide them and to teach them. And as long as we're following our heart and, and what God has led us to do with our children, then we're doing the right thing. Um, and, and I think I go with Emily is that we just have to do what's right for our kids and keep praying and focus on what we have control over. Um, and we have to respect our children too, right? Do we like respect? We need to respect our kids and we need to have open conversations with them and talk to them. Um, I think communication in families is one of the most important things um, that we can talk about tonight um, because without it, your family is going to fall apart. Aaron, you said something on one of your podcasts one time that I heard you talk about men being able to apologize to their children yeah. um, and how that heals that emotional damage. And t you know what I'm talking about. Talk a little bit about your perspective on that. I really enjoyed how you shared that. So is it, I mean, I'm trying to, like men apologizing to well, kids or I think men think I'm the man of the house. I don't need to apologize oh, yeah, yeah, to nobody. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So there's this, I don't know. There's this thing that, you know, society has where, uh, men think they're always right. Uh, and sometimes we are, uh, but most of the times, <laughs> most of the times we're not. Uh, so it's, it's always uh, good to be vulnerable with your kids and, if you messed up, have that conversation of like, hey, I messed up. Uh, sometimes we, we lose our temper, uh, and it happens. I, I, don't, I don't have kids, uh, but I, um, I've raised nephews uh, when they were young, the questions, hey, hey, hey. And it's just like, and it, you know, it, it's not bad until like, then it, after like 15, 20 minutes, like, oh, my gosh. Um, and you might explode and, like, go sit down or, like, leave me alone for, like, two seconds. Um, and you feel bad afterwards. Uh, you go when you have that conversation, hey, this is what's going on. I was having a bad day or this is what I was feeling and I apologize. Um, it helps them also realize that it's okay to, to apologize when you mess up as well and, and have conversations with people um, and not just know that you did something bad and just be like, well, Hopefully they know that I forgive them. Uh, so go out and have that conversation is, is, is very important to, with kids. Amen. Well, and I think it's important that we model what that looks like. Our kids don't know unless we're teaching them. And we're, man, it takes a lot of strength to say that you're wrong. Uh, I don't like to be wrong. Who likes to be wrong? But we're teaching our kids when we do that, even if it's spilt milk. It doesn't matter what it is. But we're modeling it for them so then they can be responsible for their behaviors and their reactions. Yeah. Good, good. We don't like to use the word abuse. We don't like to use, we don't even like to acknowledge our behavior as abusive. I read today, Alizé, I was telling you this earlier, but I read today during the pandemic, 30%, this is from the Center for American Families and Children, uh, 30% of kids, youth, had at least one parent who was either unemployed or no longer employed, you know, got lost their job uh, in this time and was home. 55% uh, of that 30% experienced verbal, emotional, or mental abuse. Half of that percentage 
of American families during the pandemic experienced some type of abuse, and even 11% of that, it says, experienced physical or even sexual abuse. You've worked with kids. You and I have had some conversations about through CPS and some of the things that you've had to experience and see. Educate us on what we think is just, well, that's how we always did it. That's just how my daddy did it and his daddy did it and her and our mama did it. And that's just how we do it. And how that affects young people that you've seen. substance abuse, um, whether that be alcohol or drugs. Um, a lot of parents relied on substance abuse, and it either allowed them to neglect their child or abuse their child. Um, and so that, that was something I saw the most struggle in, is someone who is struggling with substance abuse also trying to parent. Um, and even just being a person and using substance abuse is already blurry. The lines are already blurry. Then you add a kid in the situation and then, I mean, there's already messy situations there. Um, and I think that is a huge problem, but then I, I also, I come from a, can, a kid's standpoint of a father who, um, he was an alcoholic. Um, and struggled with that. So I, I feel like, um, I, for me, it's the main problem. Um, and that's not for all families. Mm -hmm. For all families, it's the way they grew up, the way they, I mean, even families could go back to sayings, well, I, I started drinking at 11 years old. Um, we, we see that a lot too. Um, and I saw that a lot in my own family. Um, but that is a, a, a a big issue, I feel like it starts there um, in most families. And especially in the Odessa area, it's huge. Drinking alcohol, going out and partying is huge. That's, 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 that's honestly what people think that's all there is to do here in Odessa. Um, so I feel like solving that problem mm -hmm. and then that'll help you get into the real issues of parenting a child, um, and I, I will say my standpoint is from a child's point of view. I don't have kids myself, so and some of you are like, well, how, you don't have kids, like, how do you understand? Well, I was a kid, I was a kid, so I, I get it, I, I had parents, um, that's yeah. how I can relate, so. Bren, you worked in CPS as well. Yeah, I would add, everything she said was perfect, and then I would add, 
the cycle of abuse, um, the cycle, when you work at CPS, you see a lot of the same families coming through the system. So there's this cycle that we have got to break. We have to break these familial cycles that are unhealthy, and that's having these kind of conversations. Mm -hmm. That The alcohol and the substance abuse is really high in our community. I remember working at um, CPS, and we had one of the highest removal rates in Texas. It was higher than Harris County, Houston. Now think about how big Houston is. That's crazy that Odessa has a higher removal rate during that time. Um, but that cycle, a lot of that's trauma. So we see families that repeat the same thing that has happened to them over and over and over. And we have to stop it or we're going to continue to have the problem. And I would just, just say um, on, on the, the back end, so working with CPS at the crisis center, they would send uh, people to me and we would, you know, have a 24-week course on, like, ways not to be abusive. And the biggest component of what I took away from that was communication. People do not know how to talk. People do not know how to express how they're feeling. And when someone punches a hole in the wall, that is communication. Yeah. I'm angry. I'm mad. Uh, when you throw a hanger, when uh, someone says something, I'm angry. I'm mad. Like we we express uh, our feelings and we communicate in such a destructive way that tears down families. Yeah. And I would just tell people like the one of the biggest things, and you said it, you know, before was we have to learn how to communicate better. Uh, because that just takes us to a different level. Right. When I'm angry, I don't have to, like, get mad and express myself. I can get mad, but I, can't, I don't have to express myself in a way that demeans someone or makes someone feel some type of way. I can express myself as like, hey, I'm feeling this way. Give me five minutes, and then we can finish having this conversation. Um, and so I think that's, that's a big uh, thing as well. What'd you do to the mic? I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I will say too, you, we, we're talking a lot about communication, but I think um, what's, what's also important too is comprehension. Um, a lot of times we just talk, 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 but we don't ever sit and just listen and try to understand what is being said. Um, a lot of times we're just kind of like picking and choosing what we want to hear from the story, especially I think something that is important is allowing your kids to have a voice, um, letting them speak about what they feel. I feel like as parents, um, Pastor Brandon said it, um, it was uh, dictating. We're, we're quick to dictate and tell, well, because I said, so you do this, you do that. But what we're doing to our kids is silencing them and we're not saying, hey, tell me how you feel. Because when they grow up to adulthood, they're gonna be like, I don't know how I feel. I don't know how to communicate how I feel. For so long I've been silenced, and now when they get to adulthood, it's like, how do I talk about this? Mm -hmm. How do I express these things? So allow your children to have a voice. Allow them, even if it's irrational, even if it doesn't even make sense to you, just sit down and just listen and say, you know, I really don't understand what you're going through or what you're meaning, but I hear you, Good. and it's valid. Good. Um, yeah, are you listening to respond or are you listening to understand? Right. Yeah. That's the key to communication. 
you can talk all day long. If you're not hearing what somebody else is saying, then that's not communication. And agreeing is necessarily not the goal. It's understanding because there's going to be two different perspectives. And a lot of times people don't move on until that person agrees with what I said. But it's understanding their heart, hearing them out, and accepting the way they feel. So good. Yeah, and it's hard to do that because, oh, they're a kid, right? They're 10 years old, but what do they have to tell me? What do they know more than I know? Um, Trying to use that. Well, they they haven't been through what I've been through. They haven't experienced what I've gone through. Well, doesn't mean them spilling milk isn't valid still. It, I, something I heard a long time ago is, was what's big to you might be small to somebody else. And what's big to them might be small to you. But it's still valid. Mm-hmm. It's still necessary. It's still important. So good. It, people have their own point of views and own perceptions of things. And it matters still. I yeah. think the biggest piece of communication that you will walk away Um, feeling successful in it is realizing that you have a perspective someone else has a perspective and then there's a truth in between neither one of you have the complete truth and if we have that mentality then nobody's a loser right nobody has to have the last word it's just hearing where they're coming from and I've also what makes me know that you know that person is heard and understood in any conversation that I have is at the end of it, I ask myself, was I reactive or did I respond? Because being reactive, you're not thinking, you're just, you're just trying to, you're in the moment, you're, you're trying to argue your point, you're not listening to what they have to say. Um, and for me, responding is uh, taking the time to understand that person. And Sometimes it's not a response. It's just, okay, cool, bro. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got you. And then, you know, moving on. Uh, but for me to, to understand, you know, if, if I'm in a, a good communication uh, space myself is, okay, I responded to that versus just, you know, was reactive and tried to blow that person right. off. So, Emily, this is a question for you. Um, how would you advise someone, someone in here tonight says their marriage is hanging on by a thread? Um, how would you advise someone needing to stay patient, waiting on God? When do they, when do they make the move? How long, how long should they wait before it's not faith anymore? Where, where do they go? And I want to even add dealing with betrayal, um, because that's a very common theme here tonight is my marriage has been betrayed. Well, um, I experienced betrayal in my family as well, and the good news is that Psalm 94.14 says that the Lord will never reject us. You may get rejected by your spouse, but what I found is sometimes my spouse isn't ready to work through some issues, but I am. And what did we talk about earlier? Control. I can't control the timing of that. So, but you know what? God can start healing my heart when I'm ready. So good. I've been in counseling my whole life because I was in a broken family. My parents weren't there and they weren't available. So I've been in counseling and the healing, the deliverance that came through that is amazing. So God can heal you 
and change you even though the other person isn't changing. When I started getting help, my mom said, what do you want and where can I get some? (laughs) So God can start changing your heart and it changes your response to the other person in spite of how they are. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that nothing can ever separate you from the love of Christ. Yeah. Good. Aaron, I want you to speak on that. That's something else that you really lean into. And if y'all don't follow Aaron's podcast, I really suggest that you do. He's real and raw. So listen with a grain of salt. But listen. Love me still anyway. Love you still. And I do. And I do. And I think you have a great ministry to the men that you speak to. But... Talk about from a man's perspective. So um, I've been divorced for, uh, I think, two and a half years. And, I, you know, we talk about pain and, you know, what hurts, but I, I, I never felt that type of pain. Uh, the pain of, you know, assuming that I was going to be with someone forever. Uh, and then them saying, maybe it's, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be with you. Um, and it wasn't like I was just this perfect guy just doing all the, the right things. Cause I, I had, I had all of my issues. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing that, that I felt was that the turn in our, in my marriage was I, Stop trying to lead um, as a man. And, you know, it's, you know, there's a hierarchy that, that God has, has given us. And a lot of men try to say, you know, you know, wives submit to your husbands, but husbands submit to God. And if, and if as husbands you're not submitting to God, I, I promise you, your, your, your entire family or your house will be chaotic. And you can't, as a man, walk into your house and blame anybody or your wife or your kids for why your house is the way it is. You go look in the mirror, you're the reason why your house is the way it is. And a, and a, lot, of, a lot of times men try to push it off on, um, you know, the woman or their kids um, and it just, it just creates more mess. Like Adam. Adam, Adam tried to, well, Adam... Eve made me do it, and yeah, but it, I feel like we'd be in a different place if Adam would ju- would have just bit that bullet and was a, a, accountable for yes, this this is what what happened. This is you know what I did, and um, you know move forward from mm-hmm. it. So uh, for me personally, as as a man, uh, you have to submit yourself to God. First and foremost, and then it's it's a trickle down effect that I'm now experiencing, um, where me submitting to God, everything else around me just gets better. Yeah. Um, and there's there's nothing that like your your wife and your kids can't. Uh, there's nothing they can do but follow along. If 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 you are able and willing to to be the leader and lead, and you're going. And they turn around and see you going. They they will turn around and start following you because they believe where you're going. But a lot of times, uh, women look like, ah, bro, I don't, 
I don't even know, do you, I don't even think you know where you're going, so why am I just going to follow you? You know what I mean? Um, and I think that was, that was my issue. Like, you know, she was like, I, I don't know where you're going. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going either, but like, you know, <laughs> but follow me. But so it's just one of those things where. So I, good though. Yeah, it's so I got, important. I got disconnected from the higher power and I tried to make myself the power and that is the worst power I promise Preach you that anybody that. could ever Preach have. that. Preach that. I, I want to say you guys are doing excellent. I'm not going to get to all of these questions. There's 50 right now. And so, but this one stood out, Brenna and Alze, both of you, and, and really any of you, but I'm just saying, uh, this is a 19-year-old who says, uh, my parents are controlling, this is a 19-year-old, parents are controlling everything about my life. Um, still lives in the home, but... I think they mean that they're trying to control, they're really helicopter parenting them um, and they won't let this person grow up. So I will speak on my half of, um, I came back to college and I lived with my parents and setting boundaries is one of the hardest thing to ever do. Um, because that's your parents. The Bible says to honor your mother and father and do what you're told, listen. And, but at, at a certain age and at a certain point in time, you have to I, kind of honestly put them at arm's length um, and be like, if, if you don't want to, it's okay to say no. If you... And, and you're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel bad about it. You're going to feel like, oh, how can I do that? That's my mom. That's my dad. Like, I can't really do that. But you, for your health, for your well-being, you have to. It, it's an absolute must. And you're going to feel lonely. You're going to feel because that's your family and that's all you're around. And it's honestly even harder because... You're still in the home to so put boundaries while you're still living with someone is even harder. Mm -hmm. um, but doing that is probably the best thing that you could do for yourself. Um, however, you're still in their home. You're still living under their roof, so it still is their rules. You still have to respect that. But there is still a sense of where you can say and have that conversation and just say, hey, mom, can can." Can we just talk? Um, I don't feel comfortable doing certain things, or I don't feel like like I'm I'm trying to get to an area of adulthood now. Um, I'm trying to grow, and I I'm not able to do that um, with being controlled yeah. still. Yeah, I, I think that was perfect, and I would I would really assist somebody in, in developing that conversation, getting ready to have that conversation and try to communicate where, where they're at in their life. Um, we go back to what you have control over, though. So you can have the conversation and you can express where you're at, but you can't control how your family treats you. And so when you go into those conversations, you have to go ahead and know that I'm going to make the effort because it's the right thing to do and it's good for me to communicate this but I have to be okay with whatever the outcome is. Yeah. And the outcome might be that they don't agree with where you're at or they don't support your decision to be independent. And, and at that point, is that a healthy place for you to be? Right. 
And so let's start setting goals. Let's start trying to figure out how to find something that is healthy for you, for you to grow if you don't feel like that's healthy. And, and that's hard, again, because it's family. Family makes boundary setting hard. Someone who's family. here or, or even watching online has said, uh, I don't feel like living anymore. Um, they said they feel like the world would be a better place if they weren't here. What would you tell someone, I think all of you can, can maybe speak to this, but I'm going to go back to you, Aaron. You, you talk about this a lot. You experienced someone very close dealing with this. What would you tell somebody who in this room, and see, some of y'all think just coming to church is just church is normal. But as I explained to our host team last, last Wednesday night, uh, a person told me that they walked through the door and hugged someone on the host team. This is why serving is important and it's anointed. Because they hugged somebody who just shook hands at the door and decided not to take their life after church, after they were coming here to make peace with God. That's what they said. But someone here tonight listening is in a, a decision-making stage. Yeah, so um, I kind of spoke with it uh, here and uh, in the back with the kids, but... Um, when I was 20 years old, I uh, tried to commit suicide. And my, my thinking was that I wasn't enough, that no one loved me, um, that I wasn't a, a real man, whatever that is. I, I, I mean, I was just in that, in that space and um, put the gun to my head and pulled the trigger and uh, the gun didn't go off. Um, and so then I'm laying on my bed thinking like I'm a failure at this too. Like I can't even take my own life when I'm trying to take my own life. Um, but the love of God is just so, um, it is so amazing. Like if you have that connection with him and, and if you know, um, and if you ever felt it before, um, at that at that point, I felt it. So if, if you feel like you're not enough, if you feel like you're unworthy to be here, ask God to show you how much he loves you. And he will. And tagging on to that, I was suicidal growing up as well. I was born with seizures from day one, so mental problems, and the medication that was given to me caused a lot of suicidal thoughts that my parents didn't know at the time, and we, were, we went to a church that didn't teach salvation, relationship with Jesus, so that tells you what we grew up in, and I didn't know what a relationship with Jesus was. I didn't have that. I also held a gun to my head and was going to shoot myself in the head. And my dad was going to let me and my mom grab the gun from behind me. Otherwise, I would have shot myself in the head too. But I tried taking pills. I used the knife. My dad didn't care. But what happened was Jesus came in my heart. Jesus showed me he is the healer. By his stripes, we are healed. And whatever you're experiencing or feeling with this suicide, 
God is right there. He just wants you to turn to him, to cry out to him. So good. So I'm going to piggyback off of that. Um, I've been in mental health for years, and I thought I knew everything about mental health. I've done every training. I've, you know, all the gamut, I've done it. And in 2020, I had one of the worst things happen to me in my life. Um, and I never understood suicide until that happened to me. Um, I didn't want to live anymore. Um, I really, truly didn't understand why God would have allowed what happened to me happen. Would and you, what was would my you share purpose? a little bit? Yes. Of that? Um, I lost my 18-year-old son in a tragic car accident. He died instantly, and he was he was 18 and had his whole life ahead of him. And he was here one day, and he was gone the next. And it just it's tore my family apart, um, if you can imagine, and it's changed my life forever. Um, but in that moment of despair. I have to tell you, I can admit that I understand suicide now. I understand why somebody would feel the way they did. Because it's absolutely, when you're at your lowest, you feel so alone. The only thing that has gotten me through this is my relationship with God, my family, and these two pastors sitting right here. So I want this person and anyone in here to know that you are not alone, number one. That, that you are not alone. And something that is, I've used, and I'm, I'm telling everybody, and I can say this too, is that, you know, life is hard. It might be harder for somebody than somebody else, but there's challenges, and we're going to face them every day. You wake up, there's going to be life. It wasn't promised that it was going to be easy. I think it was actually promised it was going to be challenging, right? If we're a believer, it's going to be hard, and we're going to have to have faith. We have to find the positive in our situations and figure out a way to push ourselves forward and find purpose in tragedy. If we don't, we can't continue to breathe and and move forward and live for God. And all of us have a reason for being here. I have a reason for being here even though my heart is broken forever. Everyone in here does. And we've got to find it. We have a purpose. and, And you are not alone. Amen. And I'll say that is, that is why I'm, I'm here today was, you know, you know, suicidal thoughts just don't, don't go away. There's still things, there's still, you know, times that I, that I battle with it, uh, even battle with it during uh, my divorce. Um, but I now know that there is a purpose for my life. And I know that, you know, if God is waking me up, that I'm, I'm meant to do something for him. And so now, you know, when I'm, when I'm having the hard days or, you know, the thoughts pop up, uh, there is that purpose of like, man, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, I, I don't like what I'm feeling now. I don't like where it's going now. Um, but God's got it. And, and he, he, he does got it. So, Do you want to speak to that too? And then I'm going to have one more question. Yeah. So I feel like um, God just put on my heart to say that this is the enemy's main goal is to make you feel alone. Um, he's, he's coming to get in your mind, and he's coming to tell you that there's nobody here that loves you. Um, and I feel like, um, number one, that's not true, obviously. Um, but that, that's his main way of saying, this is how I'm going to get them. Um, and, and you might even 
start to believe it because you feel like your surroundings are like, oh, this person did this, or I've been through this, and I've struggled through this, and I've, I feel like we can all say we've all been through hard times, so hard where we felt like we didn't want to be here anymore because it might have been better. It might have, it feels a bit better maybe if I wasn't here in this world anymore rather than having to go through these hard times. Um, but that's what the enemy wants. That's what he wants. He wants to take you and he, he wants to say, he wants to isolate you. He wants you to push you away from everybody who does love you. And sometimes we get this shield of, of I want to, I guess, call it suicide and just say, there's nobody. You can't see past the shield even though there's people standing there who do love you, who do want to be there for you, who do want to comfort you. Um, but the enemy saying it is blocking your view with suicide. Um, and you're not alone. You're not alone. And I want to say that to whoever that is, because I really don't know. You're not alone. You're not alone. We're here. Hope Alive Church wants to support you and love you. And we will not let you do it by yourself. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Here at Hope Alive Church, we have a, a mental health ministry. And I've never heard of it, so we don't really know if we're doing it right. But we're doing it the way God told us to. <laughs> Churches don't talk about mental health. And, and I'm going to get to this last question, but Bren... And one of her colleagues lead every other month. They lead a small group. And this month, what are you talking about this month that you guys are leading? We're talking about unsafe people, how to figure out who those kind of people are. We're also learning in there about what makes those kind of people attracted to us, yeah. which is a hard topic. And then also, how do we identify what a safe person is and how can we be that for others? They meet on Tuesday nights right here. 7 o'clock? 6. 6 30. 6.30 to 8. 6.30 right here. And that's the stuff that we talk about. Download the app so you know what's going on. Emily just finished uh, a course last month. What did you talk about in there? We talked about forgiveness and what the prison of unforgiveness looks like in our lives. But um, the thing we loved is talking and showing them how to forgive. What does this actually look like? Because I've never been taught how to forgive you. I've heard, you know, so much on the Bible about forgiveness. But when it comes to applying it and how you actually do it was so healing and freeing. Yeah. And then in September, we're going to do from breakdowns to breakthroughs. We're going to talk about rejection and judging others. And how judging others is rejection's twin. Because when I feel rejected, I often judge the other person by rejecting back. Ooh. So we're going to talk so about good. these destructive cycles and how we get out of them. Yep. Yeah. Pastor and Martha also meets. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't well, I was just going to share that Greg and I are going to do a grief group and prepare for the holidays in October. Um, I think a lot of us struggle during the holidays. And if you've had a loss any time in your life, and especially recently, I think this would be something that's uh, worth your time to yeah. prepare for the holidays. Pastor Martha offers counseling throughout the week 432-332 hope is our church phone number call and talk to pastor martha she'll connect you with resources we have a list of resources that are both faith-based and there's so many resources in the community that wants to help you through mental health 
Um, I, I can't even get to all the messages tonight about addiction and opioids and Percocet and all the things and parents in this room who have teenagers who are addicted to, to pills. Where do I go? School won't help me. The hospital won't take them. What, I need help. I can't do it. And in 2020 and 2021, we had to bury kids through fentanyl. We're blessed here at Hope Alive Church to have Michelle Watson and, and what she does with the 111 Project and who's doing, yeah, let's honor her, what she's doing. We're also blessed to have Dill Robert and our Building Bridges group that meets and people are surviving. They're getting sober. Um, so there are, this is, this is home. These people are here. You don't have to fight this stuff alone. I want to ask this final question. I'm going to close with this question, and I want you all to chime in, and then we're going to pray together. But this, this one stood out to me, and I saved it for the last. And it, they simply said, when do I know I need therapy? I need help. When do I know I need more help? How do I know? Yeah, you're always going to need help. Um, that's just, I mean, if you're living, you're going to need help. That, that there's no like, you know, don't think that I'm going to take it up until this point and then go ask for help because at that point you're already at your breaking point. Yeah. And if that one person you ask for help doesn't help you, then it's like everything, right? And then it's like, oh my gosh, like no one wants to help me. So like start asking for help early and often because it's, it's not a bad thing. And me personally, like, like, I saw a meme the other day where a dude had a uh, chair, and he was rolling. He put a couch on the chair, and he had the other side of it, and he was, like, rolling the chair. That's kind of how I, you know, lived my life was I didn't want to ask for help because I thought it was uh, weak. Uh, it wasn't uh, manly. I, had to, I should be able to carry all this weight and all the burdens uh, and still be able to live my life. And I just realized that I, you, you can't. You can't do it by yourself. God did not put you on this earth to live here by yourself. And so you have to surround yourself with a community of people that love you and support you and see the best in you. So it's, it's now. If yeah. The answer to the question is now uh, and, and ask for it often because those are the people that you want in your circles, the ones that are willing to help you uh, when you're feeling down or when you're feeling out or when you're just, you know, not having a good day. Yeah. Good. To tag on to that, um, I think a lot of people don't like asking of help because of pride. It's our pride that stands in the way of doing that. And I agree that we're always going to need help because all of us have some level of brokenness in our lives. And that's why we so desperately need Jesus and the body of Christ. I can't do this on my own. Even the counselor needs counseling sometimes. Yes. I want to say that I go to counseling. I want to say that Pastor Martha and I go to counseling. And it's not always because something's wrong. It's because we've been through way too much for th something to get so far out that we cannot come back from. Now, there's been times we wanted to murder each other. And all the married people said amen. Not literally, but you know what I'm talking about. But we had to ask for help. I grew up in church my whole life. And my dad's right over here, and, and he would agree with what I'm about to say. We really didn't know except to pray. And prayer works. 
but the Bible also talks about helping one another and being our brother's keeper and and taking care of one another. And I'm, I don't want to let Pastor Andy's messages out, but I can't wait till you hear about biblically our responsibility as a family to connect with one another. Because to answer the question in my perspective, when do you need therapy? You need it now. Now is the time. Get someone that you can talk to. Therapy doesn't always mean an appointment with a counselor. Therapy might just mean somebody you can be real with. Someone who knows everything about you. Someone who you can open up and not have to filter. I don't have many. I'm going to be honest. I love you, but I don't have many that I can go to and take all the filters off. And those that I do, I, I can't replace because I've, I've, I've been real. I would even go as far as to say, like, if you feel that you're good now, use it as a preventative tool um, because there are going to be hard times. It's inevitable. Um, so whether you're good or you're bad, go. Whether you're good or you're, you're bad, sign up. Take, take the steps. Do it now because, I mean, what, what you're going to get, it's, it's going to prepare you. If you're good right now, it's going to prepare you for what? is to come it's going to give you the tools and the and the resources to rely on when the hard times do come you're going to say you, when some hard time comes and you're already in counseling you're going to be like oh i know what to do i know what to do in this situation because i worked on it i i already talked about how to prepare myself for issues when they do come yeah. um get in therapy because times are hard times are going to come no matter what I would say that, you know, there's the stigma about asking for help, and we talked about pride, but what about weakness? Yeah. I'm weak if I have to ask for help. I'm weak if I have to lean on someone else. The strongest person I know is somebody that says, I don't know it all, and I need help. That is the strongest person that walks through my door and, and lays it out and says, I can't do this by myself, or comes to Pastor Cliff and says, I can't do it. Uh, it takes so much strength to ask for help. And we as Christians need to build each other up and we need to keep growing. We are supposed to learn about ourselves and you can do that in therapy and just better yourself and better your families. That's what we need to be doing. We have to keep growing. I know, I I know you wanted to talk. I know you. <laughs> I know she has something to say. Hey, you opened that you door. You had two services to get it all out. No, no, there's always more. You opened the door. I sure did. Didn't so I? <laughs> they're right. I think there's pride. I think there's weakness, and then there's fear. It is fear of talking about it and opening it up. Fear of being of the feelings. Fear of being vulnerable. Yeah. Fear of being judged. Yeah. Ooh. But shame cannot remain shame when it is shared in safe places. And these safe places that all all of us can try to offer you there's freedom because Jesus wants you to be free and when there is a presence of fear there's times where it's an it feels like it's an absence of faith but both things can happen at the same time yeah you can have faith and still be scared to talk about it but talk about it take that step by faith 
And don't allow the devil to use fear to keep you trapped yeah. so that you can experience freedom. I want to say this. Guys, I'm, I've literally looked just questions after questions, and that's multiple ones in each one. So person in here is, is currently being sexually assaulted and has been for six years. Um, my nine-year-old tried to take their life. My nine-year-old. Um, so I want to pray. I want to pray a prayer. And then here's what we're going to do. And I want to invite all of you, if you have something that you want to pray over, I want you to just follow the Holy Spirit. All of these people have the Holy Spirit. They have a relationship with Christ. They're believers in Christ. I'm proud to stand on this stage with them and them to represent Hope Alive and, and you. But after this, instead of opening the altar, I'm going to put them in the altar and let you come. And I think they've all agreed to stay as long as you have questions. They'll give you what they can. And we want to be respectful of their time. But I want to pray. And uh, I'll invite anybody, of any of you that want to share too. Father, <laughs> this is why you gave to Pastor Andy this direction for the family. Because the family is under fire. And oftentimes we come to church and, and I feel like you have a vantage point knowing the real us when we lift our hands and think we make it look like we have it all together. But Lord, every single need that is in this phone, a mama who's nine-year-old feels like they don't want to live. They need you to touch them. Lord, I don't know what, what has gotten into us to think that we could do it without you. But God, I know there's somebody in here who just needs to hear, we need you now more than ever in our homes. Lord, I pray right now that we would open, every home in this room would open the door to be a sanctuary for you, for your presence, for your anointing, for your healing power, to touch addiction, to touch sexual assault and abuse, to touch pornography addictions and, and all types of things, uh, chemical dependency and suicidal thoughts. Oftentimes, Lord, we sing the words on the screen and we say amen and we go home still hurting. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now over these hearts and minds. Father God, I... Pray that you open our hearts. Pour your love and grace and kindness. Allow us to feel your love, your grace, your kindness, Father God. Bless us to not take the day and not use it to the best of our ability for you, Father God. Because the average human lives 27,000 days, Father God. And our days are numbered and we should not take any day that you have that have blessed us with for granted. 
So I pray, Father God, that you open our eyes and our ears. And if we see it, stand in the gap for people whose voice isn't being heard. Help us and bless us to stand in the gap for people who are being sexually assaulted or being abused or that we see they're going down this road of addiction. Father God, allow us to be the people to stand in the gap to help turn that person's life around by showing them your love, your grace, and your kindness. We just love you, God, for all that you are doing in our lives, all that you have done in our lives, and all that you're going to do in our lives, Father God. We love you. And Father, I lift up all these families to you, Lord, and I just bind the enemy in yes. who's come to steal, kill, and destroy because yes. you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I pray that they would grab a hold of the hope in you, Jesus, the abundant life that you came to give each and every one of us. I just pray that you would touch them in a special way and meet them right where they're at because you heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. And so, Lord, I pray that you would start the healing process. You hear the cries of all these families and the help that they need. And, Lord, I just pray that you would meet them, Amen. that they would reach out for help if they need it, that they would have that conversation that they've been putting off or afraid to have. And, Lord, I just pray for healing and wholeness in the broken areas of these Jesus families name. in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, there are some families in here tonight or people that are divided. There are families that are broken. Maybe there's parents that are not talking to their kids, family members that haven't talked to each other in a long time. There's some heartache there. And I pray that you mend those. Tomorrow is not promised and family is way too important. I pray over these individuals that you've placed on my heart tonight mend their hearts, show them forgiveness, allow them to give grace, allow them to give the strength they need to reach out to that person, because again, tomorrow's not promised. Heavenly Father, today you see every pain, you see every trauma, you see every past hurt, you see everything that we can never see. You hear the, the silent voices in, in this room and the silent voices in, in, in that are watching, Lord. You hear those that can't speak up. You hear those that, that can't shout out and say, Lord, I need you. But you know that they need you, Lord. So I pray today that, that you allow them to have a voice to say, God, meet me where I am. Meet me, Lord. God, heal my heart. It's been broken. It's been it's been hard. Lord, you know they're exhausted. You know they're tired. Lord, you, you come to us as a father and you say, daughter, I'm here. Son, I'm here. I'm comforting you. Lord, we feel your presence here in this place. As these, these 
amazing voices that spoke up today and shared their stories and shared what they do and shared their their yes their voices to those who needed voices lord bless their hearts today they have struggles too they have pains too they have things that they've been through that they also don't talk about lord but heal their hearts too be with them every step of the way lord we pray for those who are in need right now lord you're meeting them where they are and you're comforting their hearts and i just what i see right now is i see a broken heart but i i see you feeling it yes i see you coming up and you mending it and grabbing it and putting it back together oh, thank you god yes that's what i see i see thank you, you you just changing it and and i i see a whole heart now i don't see a broken heart because you come and you fit yourself into the broken Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your comfort, for your peace. I pray it over every heart and mind today and in this room. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.